Welcome to another episode of Men's Bible Study. Today, Dr. Justin Hillhouse joins us to wish us a happy new year as he gives us a practical way to move forward in our life. While this message can be used spiritually, it can also be applied to any aspect of our life. Now, let's hear from Dr. Hillhouse. Morning. How's everybody doing? Yeah? All right, there we go. If you have your copy of God's Word, open it up, turn it on. We are in 1 Kings chapter 15. 1 Kings chapter 15. And we're going to be looking in verses 9 through 14. 1 Kings 15 verses 9 through 14. Now, as you know, we started a new year, but there's something about a new year we always think about, hey, I might want to change stuff, I might want to do stuff, but there's always that stuff in our past that we've been thinking about, okay, that we want to still accomplish because as a dude, as a man, we always are looking for that next mountain to conquer, are we not? We're looking for that next mountain. We're looking for that next thing. We always want to try and achieve something. We want to vex something. I like that word, right? You don't get to use that word vex a whole lot. You want to take something out, right? You want to hunt it. You want to kill it. How many people are with me on that? Yeah? And so it doesn't matter. If it's a new year, there's always some stuff in our past that we always want to conquer. We always want to overcome. We want to continue to try and achieve whatever it is we want to achieve. Some of us, it's, hey, we want to build a better family. Some of us, it's, hey, I want to, uh, I want to follow God uh, closer and follow Jesus Christ closer. For others of us, it is, uh, hey, uh, you know, I, I want to build a business. I want to do this. I want to do that. Whatever it is, just because we've started a new year, there's still some of that stuff in the past that's lingering that we want to still achieve and we still want to conquer. And so today uh, we just kind of want to go through, we want to look at this dude named Asa and he is a king in Judah because uh, the nation split in half and you have a northern kingdom, you have a southern kingdom and that southern kingdom is the kingdom of Judah and there's this guy named Asa that we see and when you look at his life, when you look at everything that he does, there are three big things that he does that we want to look at today, not only as we start this new year, but also there are some things in our past that we say, you know what, there's some things that they need to be conquered. I need help getting to, I need help achieving. And these are things that we can look at that help us in all aspects of our life, especially when it comes to following Jesus Christ. So in 1 Kings chapter 15, starting in verse 9, uh, through 14, it says this, In the 20th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, Asa became king of Judah. And he reigned in Jerusalem, how many years? 41 years. And his grandmother was Micaiah, daughter of Abishalom. And Asa did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, as his father David had done. He expelled the male shrine prostitutes from the land and got rid of all the idols his ancestors had made. He even deposed his grandmother, Micaiah, from her position as queen mother because she had made a repulsive image of worship 
of Asherah. Asa cut down and burned it in the Kidron Valley. Although he did not remove the high places, Asa's heart was fully committed to the Lord all of his life. If we look at our lives, I think one of the things that I want people to say about me, and I would hope that you would want said about you at your funeral, is simply this, is, you know what? (laughs) That guy, no matter what happened, he did his very best at being fully committed to following the Lord. And when you look at Asa, when you look at his life, there are three distinct things that Asa does in his life I believe, to lead us and to show us how to be fully committed to the Lord and to follow Him. Not only to do it spiritually, but also there are some other things that we can do and that we can apply to our lives uh, as we follow the Lord and as we kind of build, I guess you might say, our own little kingdom here in this world. So here are the three things. Number one, Asa found someone to imitate. And this is so huge. Asa found someone to imitate. In verse 11, what does it say? Asa did what was right in the eyes of the Lord as his father, who? David. David had done. Now, one of the easiest ways to grow in your life, spiritually, financially, work-related, family-related, is to imitate someone. It's to imitate someone. And for some of us here, we, uh, we look at our kids and we say, hey, do as I say, but not as I what? Do. Right? That's kind of the wrong statement. <laughs> we need to say, hey, do as I say and also do as I do. Okay? Um, so... We're on our way to uh, grandparents' house on Christmas Eve night. It's 11.30 at night. This is a true story. 11.30 at night, just a few weeks ago, okay? We get done with Christmas Eve services at like 8.15. We are rolling, okay? And we have to go to Joplin, Missouri, which is really close to the armpit of America, okay? You're not quite there, but you're close to the armpit of America, which is Rolla, Missouri, okay? Doesn't matter. (laughs) Okay, so we're on our way. My in-laws live in Joplin. We stop at a Love's, okay, just outside of Pryor. And I'm kind of tired. We had five Christmas Eve services. So I get some Diet Coke and some Hostess chocolate donuts. Are you all with me on this? Hostess chocolate donuts are the best donuts hands down. Can I get an amen? Yeah, so... There's some debate I hear going on. That's okay. We can talk about it later. But it's the Diet Coke. And man, I'm walking out to the car and I take a swig of that Diet Coke and I'm like, woo, baby, let's go. And so I get in the car, the kids, you know, I have two teenagers. I have a driver, okay, in the car as well. So there's me and my wife and then my daughter who's 16 who drives now. And then my son who's 14. And we are like, you know, we're kind of, we're all kind of awake now. We know we got about an hour and a half left to get to Joplin. And we're all kind of joking and laughing and I'm popping donuts, you know. And it's not like three minutes. And I turn out of that loves and I get going, right? Well, sure enough, what happens? Huh? What? Just hold on. 
So we get out, I get going, right? And all of a sudden, you know, the lights come on, all right, behind me. And I'm like, oh, man. So I pull over, and my wife says this to the kids. Listen, guys, nobody say anything. <laughs> nobody say anything. So the officer walks up. I roll down my window. Hi, how you doing? You know, Merry Christmas, yada, yada, yada. And he says, do you know why I pulled you over? And I said, no, sir, but I was probably doing something wrong. And he says, well, yeah, you were. You were doing 80 in a 55. And everyone in the car goes, oh! <laughs> and I turn around and I yell at him. I'm like, you're not helping. And my daughter yells at me. She goes, Dad, do I need to drive? And the officer's just laughing at me. <laughs> I want to let you know I got out of that one. He just told me, he said, hey, listen, you know, be careful, uh, move on. And you know what I said to my kids? I was like, guys, don't do what I just did. <laughs> don't do it because guess what? It normally doesn't work out that way. It normally doesn't happen that way. Huh? Yeah, I don't know. But we always say, hey, don't do what I do. What, what would happen if you would look at your kids and say, hey, listen, why don't, why don't you imitate and do what I do? Because guess what? They do it. They are watching you. They are looking at you. They are imitating what you are doing, whether you know it or not. I see that hand. What do you want? I just wondered, did you do it again? Did I do it again? That's for another day. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is, is yes. I got caught twice inside of 12 hours. So, but that's a different story, all right? And I didn't get a ticket the second time either. Huh? Enough about my driving. Let's move on. <laughs> Here's what we need to understand, though. It's that there is no... Uh, no, that wouldn't have worked. There is nothing new under the sun. There is nothing new under the sun. There is no problem. There is no issue. There is no circumstance. There is no sin. There is no business deal. There is no spiritual issue that you are going through that has not already been done or handled by somebody else. Ecclesiastes 1, 9 and 10, what has been will be again. What has been done will be done Again, there is nothing new under the sun, but here's verse 10. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new. It was already, uh, it was here already long ago. It was here before our time. And so when you look at your life, you look at all the things that you are struggling with. Guess what, guys? There are some things that you're struggling with. Guess what? Somebody else has gone through it. Somebody else has already blazed the path. They have struggled through the same struggles that you are going through today. They look at the same, they've been through the same stuff that you have. And so we think that, hey, I can overcome this thing all by myself. And the reality is, is that, man, it is tough it is hard, and as we talked about on Sunday morning, man, it is hard to be that Lone Ranger Christian and to do it on your own. It's good to have a group 
of people around you. And one of the easiest things to do is to look at somebody and to imitate what they are doing when they are doing it right. You look at somebody and say, hey, listen, I want to grow in my faith. How do I do that? You know what? I'm going to look to somebody and say, you know what? I want to do what they are doing. And so we look at them and say, what are they doing? Okay, they're showing up to this Bible study. Okay, they're reading this. Okay, they're doing that. Well, I'm just going to simply do what they are doing. I like what Voltaire says. He says, originality is nothing but judicious imitation. The most original writers borrowed one from another. And so when you notice here, Asa follows in his footsteps, or follows in the footsteps of his father David. Well, if you look at the history of it all, he had a father named Abijai. He was a king, and he didn't do a good job. If you look at his grandfather, that's Rehoboam. And he led a rebellion. He caused the kingdoms to split. And so that's not a good guy to follow. Then you have Solomon, which would be his great-grandfather, okay? And he was the wisest guy in all of the world. And yet this guy, Asa, he chooses to look to David, his great-great-grandfather, and to model his life after him, And there are three things we need to look at when it comes to imitating someone. First of all, we need to learn whatever we can about that person. If you're going to imitate somebody, make sure you know what that person is about. Asa could not meet David because David died many years before him. He could not talk to him. However, what Asa could do and what Asa probably did is he sat back and he had the scribes read the chronicles of David. Because you see, everything that David did was recorded, not only here in scripture, but also in the history books. And so what the kings would do is they would sit down and to learn from the past, if they were smart, they would sit down and they would listen about their ancestors and what all they did in certain situations. And when you look at David in 2 Samuel 5, 4 through 5, it says, David was 30 years old when he became king and he reigned for 40 years. In Hebron, he reigned in, over Judah seven years and six months. And in Jerusalem, he reigned over all of Israel and Judah 33 years. David, just as king, had a 40-year history that Asa could go back to and read up on. Okay? And it's not like Asa would sit there and read it, but probably at night what would happen and what a lot of these kings would do is they would sit back and they'd say, hey, bring out the scribes and have them tell me the history of, and then they would say whatever they wanted to know. And so probably what Asa did is he said, hey, listen, I want to hear about my great-great-grandfather David. And so the scribes would come out and they would begin to read all of the exploits of David, what he did and how he handled things. Not only do we have a 40-year history of David being king that Asa could hear, but also we have everything that happened before David became king. And so Asa heard of the exploits of David when he was being chased by Saul. He heard of David killing 
Goliath. And the list goes on and on of all the resources and all the things he could know and find out about David. The second thing we see is that you pinpoint the qualities that you admire about them. You pinpoint the qualities that you admire about them. So if you're finding someone to imitate, first of all, you need to learn all you can about that person, but you need to pinpoint the qualities that you admire about them. You know, David, it was known about him that he was a man after God's own heart, 1 Samuel 13, 14. When Samuel was talking to Saul and was saying, hey, listen, there's going to be a new guy that's going to take the throne. Look at what he says. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. What does Asa know? Asa knows that his great-great-grandfather, King David, was a man after God's own heart. We know that David wrote a lot of the Psalms. And so I'm sure Asa sat down and was like, hey, read me some of those Psalms that David wrote. And you begin to peek in and you begin to see the kind of guy that David is. It says in Psalm 32, 5, then, this is David writing, then I acknowledge my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity, I said. I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. This is what I love is Asus probably has heard this multiple times and what is being ingrained in his mind is that David was not perfect, that David screwed up, and yet David went before the Lord, he confessed his sin, he knew the difference between right and wrong. And so, what is Asa going to do? Well, if David admits that he's done something wrong, then I probably need to admit that I've done some stuff that is wrong. Psalm 18, 1 through 6. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and my horn of salvation, my stronghold. I called to the Lord who is worthy of praise and I have been saved from my enemies. The cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my help, uh, cried to my God for help. And from his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him and into his ears. Asa has heard and read and listened to the things about David. And here we see what, what did David do? David's confessed sin. David has said, hey, listen, when I'm in trouble, you know where I go? I go to the Lord, and here is what the Lord has done. And so as Asa imitates David, and as he learns about what David has done, he is over and over learning that, hey, David constantly turned to God. He didn't think about his own wisdom. He didn't think about the wisdom of others. Rather, he said, you know what? My great-great-grandfather, David, constantly looked to God. So you know what? I'm going to need to do that. I'm going to need to constantly look to God. And then third, you need to spend time with that person if possible. If you're going to imitate somebody, find out about them. Find out those qualities you admire about them. But then, if you can, spend some time 
with them. Make an effort to spend time with somebody you would like to be like. In uh, 3 John 1, 11, it says this, Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil is not from God. You've heard the expression, birds of a feather flock together. Hey, listen, if I want to be doing good, then guess what? I probably need to hang out with some dudes that are doing the same thing, that want to do good. 2 Thessalonians 3, 7, For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. There's somebody that is an example out there. Hey, follow them. Hey, make sure you're being an example as well. Because remember, there's probably somebody following you. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12. We do not want you to be lazy, but to imitate those through faith and patience. Inherit what has been promised. 1 Corinthians 11, 1. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Scripture is full of verses that are telling us over and over and over again, hey, find someone to imitate and do what they do. Simply do what they do. This leads us to our second thought, which is this, is that Asa got rid of all the junk in his house. Asa did a little spring cleaning. He went through and he got rid of all the junk in his house. So first thing he did is he found someone to imitate and he looked to his great-great-grandfather, King David, then he got rid of all the junk in his house. Look at verse 12. He expelled the male shrine prostitutes from the land. He got rid of the idols that his ancestors made. He deposed his grandmother, Micaiah, from her queen mother position because she had made a repulsive image for the worship of Asherah. And Asa cut it down and burned it in the Kidron Valley, we see two interesting facts right here. First of all, anything that holds him back, he throws out. He does some sprinkling. Anything that was a visual trigger to him, he threw it out, cut it down, burnt it to the ground. It says he got rid of all the idols. He got rid of all the shrines. He shut down the male prostitute shrines there. If there is something that triggers you, that is a visual trigger, I would advise you to get rid of it. It could be in your house, it could be in your car, it could be something as simple that, hold, that you hold in your hand. And you say, Justin, how can I get rid of this? Hey, if, it, if this causes you to stumble, get a flip phone. <laughs> Seriously. Get a flip phone. Do something different. Get rid of it. Somehow, get rid of it. Anything that's going to hold you back, clean it out of your house. Clean it out of your car. Clean it out of your office. Matthew 6, 19 through 20, what does Jesus say? Do not store up for yourselves treasures here on earth where moths and venom destroy and where thieves break in and steal it, but store up your treasures in heaven. Oh, for some of us, some of our idols that we have, they are our treasure. They are our treasure. They're our secret treasure. 
that we love. And we do not want to get rid of those things, guys. If we want to move forward, if we want to conquer that next hill, there are some things that we are lugging around that we need to unload out of our backpack, that we need to give over to Jesus and say, hey, listen, Jesus, you take care of this. Do something with it. Forgive me of my sin. What does Luke 12, 15 say? Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. Just be careful. Be careful of what you have in your home, in your car, in your office. Because guess what? That could cause you to walk away from God. It could cause you a delay in the growth of your faith. But not only did he get rid of stuff in his house, not only did he clean house, he also got rid of anything psychologically that could get to him. Anything psychologically. He removes his grandmother and says, you know what? All your power has been stripped. Your religion, that big Asherah pole that you go to and that you worship, guess what? I cut that down, Grandma. Now, if you are smart, you know you never mess with Grandma, right? Right? You don't mess with Grandma. You were raised. Every man in here was raised. Look, you can do whatever you want, but whatever Grandma says, what? It goes. If Grandma says do this, what do you say? Yes, ma'am. And you go and do it. No questions asked. If grandma goes off on a ramble just talking about whatever, even if you disagree with it, what do you just sit there and do? Uh-huh. Yes, ma'am. Uh-huh. Whatever. You know? It doesn't matter. I got the privilege of while we were up at, uh, in, in Missouri, we went to the armpit of America, which is Rolla, Missouri. That's where my grandmother lives. We went there, and she started, you know, talking about whatever. And you know what? Just as a grandson, you know what? You yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. It doesn't matter what she said. What was it? Yes, ma'am. Because you don't cross grandma. That's just not what you do. But rather, what does Asa do? Asa says, you know what, grandma? <laughs> whatever it is you're doing, all this worship of all these foreign gods, you know what? We are cleaning it out. He went through her bedroom. He went through wherever she was going, what she was doing, and he just followed her around. And if it was a mess, he went through and he cleaned it up. And not only did he clean it up, but he also said, you know what? You don't have any more power in this kingdom. He got rid of the psychological, the mental influence in his life. So not only did he get rid of the stuff, but he got rid of the people that would have influence over his life. And it doesn't mean that he just told them, hey, listen, walk away. He got rid of all the power of their influence. In other words, made them neutral to where they didn't even matter. So he could still go in and have supper with his grandmother, but guess what? She didn't have any power. She didn't have any influence in the kingdom or over the king. Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. He took it all away. He said, you know what? We're not doing that anymore. What does Solomon write? He says in Proverbs 1.10, My son, if sinful men entice you, do not give in to them. If sinful men entice you, do not give in 
to them. I like what Watchman Nee said. He says this, As conscience grows more passive and the evil spirit supplies his guidance, some Christians begin to lower their moral standard, thinking they henceforth live according to a higher life principle and therefore treat immoral matters as not quite so immoral anymore. If we allow these things to have any sort of influence on us, it is just going to dull our conscience towards the things of God. And this leads us to our third and final thought, which is this. Asa, while not perfect, was committed as best he could. Asa, while not perfect, was committed as best he could. He could, if you look there in verse 14, it says this, although he did not remove the high places. So there were some things that Asa, he didn't do, okay? He did a lot, but there were some things he didn't do. So he made a few mistakes. And let's just say, as we continue to grow in our faith, as we try to continue to do things the way God wants us to do, guess what? We're not going to be perfect, amen? We're not going to be perfect. We're not going to do it right every single time. We're not going to do it right all the time. There are going to be some things that we just mess up at. And so I love that. Even though, although he did not remove the high places, even though he made some mistakes, and even though he sinned, look at what it says. Asa's heart was fully committed to the Lord all of his life. I love that. Even though he screwed up. Even though he did all of this stuff, he did a lot of good stuff. There was some bad stuff that he still did not address. There were some things in Judea that he did not address. But guess what? It's credit to him that he lived his life fully to God. You can read further on in 1 Kings about his rule and what happened to him. But at the end of the day, it's credited to him that he was committed fully to the Lord. If you're going to walk away from today saying, hey, what, if there's one thing I want to pull from today, what, what should it be? It, it's simply this, is that we all make mistakes. We all fail. But today, did you live for the Lord a little bit more today than you did yesterday? Did you take just a little bit more junk around your house or in your car or in the palm of your hand? And did you throw it away yesterday? And maybe you are living more for the Lord today just a little bit more than you were the day before. Did I move the needle just a little bit? Not much, but did I move the needle just a little bit. Did I do my best to honor the Lord today and to follow Him, knowing that, yeah, I'll fail and that I will make mistakes? But will you get the credit to say, you know what, today I was a little more committed than I was yesterday? And over time, will your spouse, will your wife say, you know what, honey, at the beginning of last year, you know, you were one way, but now today I see. A noticeable difference. You're a different person today than you were a year ago. Make her ask the question. I wonder why that is. 
I guess it's because you go to Tuesday morning men's Bible study, right? Could be the people you hang out with. Could be some changes that you are making. Some people you are imitating. Some people you are following. I'll leave you with the Second Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. It says this, For this reason, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities, look at this, in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's good stuff right there, guys. So I leave you with that this year. Man, find another dude that you can imitate. Find someone else that's maybe doing it the way you want to do it. Follow them. Find out what they're doing. Clear out all the junk that's holding you back. And then just always keep in the back of your mind, hey, listen, am I moving the needle? Am I moving forward? Even if it is just a little bit. Am I moving forward? And remember, 2 Peter 1, 5 through 8. Do these things and do not be, as Scripture says, ineffective and unproductive. Guys, let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for this day. Thank you that we could come here, that we could open up your word this new year. God, uh, please uh, as we go our separate ways today, number one, bring us back together either Wednesday night, Sunday morning safely. But Father, also, may we be the men that you want us to be in the workplace, at home, on the ball field, whether we're doing a project at home or, or just watching a football game. God, may we be the examples that people look after and say, hey, I want to be like that dude. God, um, we love you. We thank you for this day. Thank you that we could uh, come here today. Make our hands productive at the office. And Father, um, please guard our hearts and our minds today. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. We ask these things in your name. And all God's people said, amen, amen and amen. Thanks for listening to today's Bible study. For more information regarding Cottonwood Creek, go to cottonwoodcreek.org. And we hope you tune in next time for more episodes of Men's Bible Study.